Hey, Jordy, it's Jazz. How you doing? Jazz, good. How are you doing? Good, man. Hey, I'm super excited. We uh, we recorded our first official podcast on Wednesday. Uh, an amazing guest. Wait, 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 wait. First? Yeah. I was yeah. the first. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, wait, I mean, like, our, our first real guest. How? I thought I was the first guest. No, man, like, oh, man, this we, is kind of awkward. We talked about, like, I thought we bonded over spandex and shaved legs and yeah you were kind of just a practice for me it wasn't really oh it wasn't the real deal it was like i was like practicing dating and then <laughs> and now i'm going on a real date i feel so used <laughs> i feel so used ah <laughs> uh, anyway look it's uh i'm super excited uh we talked with victoria shannon great uh she's got an amazing story okay. i think people are gonna love it um she just has you know so many things in her life she's sort of crammed in you know three or four lives worth of stress into one lifetime she's 46 uh she is the head of a really uh big successful company in victoria bc and just has an amazing story and i really think it's going to resonate with people awesome that sounds great i think our audience will enjoy that and we're ready to go or what yeah we're ready to go so uh if you're tuning in hope you enjoy the show and uh Yeah, meet Victoria Shannon. And, well, I'm just going to tell you what I like so much about Dax Shepard's podcast. And if you've read this in my personality test, you will know how important intelligent conversation is to me. And how I have no time for BS and small talk. Right. So I'm surprised that you're letting me be here to talk to you today. (laughs) Uh, If you wanted intelligent conversation, I could have probably lined up about three or four of my good friends oh great that might have helped you well, get, get to that level yeah you sell yourself short but yeah. real conversation yeah. for sure yeah yeah and you know what I think that's what I really appreciate about uh you I've known you for what are we going four or five years now five years is it five years see you keep track November keep 1st track. was five years it was November 1st yeah I love that you know that yeah because I'm not as good with dates although what I will say is that this year on January 16th was my wife and my 10th anniversary, and I knew that she had forgotten. Excellent. I was so excited that she had forgotten mm-hmm. because I was like, I'm going to nail this one. Yeah, it's a power position right there. <clears throat> totally, yeah. And uh, so I, I went overboard. I was like so excited. I made breakfast. I had flowers ready. And I was just like, I know she's forgotten. And I got the kids, like the kids went up and said, oh, mom, there's something special going on downstairs. Anyway, she felt uh, really bad. And uh, the awful part of me felt really good about yes. that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because my anniversary is on Sunday and I'm going to make myself a little post-it note. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I do appreciate that about you. I think you're, you're meticulously organized and we're going to get into a lot of that stuff. Um, but I think that's, you know, probably why, partly why you're in the position you're in now in life. Um, but I know it, it, it hasn't always been that way. Um, I think if people come and see you in your office and we're sitting in your office now and, you know, you're very organized. I came in here and there was like neatly stacked piles of everything. And, um, you know, I, I think people would look at that and say, wow, like this person's really got her shit together. And, uh, and that's pretty cool. But I, I will also say that part of the reason we're talking today is because I don't think it's always been, uh, that like that for you. 
Um, nope. You kind of had to create that. And I, I, you know, we've been working together for uh, five years. Yep. Coming up on five, five years. years. Did I miss our anniversary? Yeah, I did too. Oh my gosh. Damn, I could have made you <laughs> breakfast or something. <laughs> oh my gosh. Usually we're pretty good with that stuff. I'm going to have to. Remember last yeah. year I gave you the fruit because it was our four year. And yes. It's fruit is for the four year. Fruit is for the four. Fruit a, or flowers. Yeah. There's, there's actually a four year thing. There's one for every anniversary. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they just get better and better through the years. Well, consider the anniversary gift this year is that you get to chat with me on the very first podcast episode. I feel honored. Well, it's actually our second episode, but Jordy, who's going to help me produce this thing, he was on our first one. And I think he's going to be a little sad to know that that wasn't our first official one. Right. So you're just practicing with him. I was just practicing. We were like warming up our voices. And uh, anyway, so Jordy... He'll hear this, I'm sure, and he might be a little bit sad, but mm-hmm. that's okay. That, that is okay. I yeah. Think, yeah. No, and you brought up a good point. I am very organized and meticulous, and um, I think that my life looks pretty shiny from the outside, much like my desk does when you walk in, but <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a facade. I've always been that organized, but uh, yeah, not always so... Uh, pretty and tidy as it looks yeah. from the nice neat stacks. And you know what? I I think more people than we think are like that. I, I think, think everybody's like that. I think everybody you're totally right. I think everybody has their chaos and I and I think I may have told you about it, but I did have a big aha moment recently where I understood the power of owning my weaknesses um, in a leadership position. And what that does for everybody that you're leading. And I know that I should know that, but I just felt it in real life. And I went, Oh, wow, like, I'm not doing myself or anybody any favors, you know, giving them just the Instagram version of my life. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it the Mm -hmm. Instagram version of our life. And that's a whole other podcast topic. But I think we come from the generation where social media is just a little bit funny, because I think what you see, uh, in those spaces is often very different than what's actually going on with people. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So anyway, let's loop back around because I, I I think one of the things that is so intriguing about your story, uh, aside from the fact that you've, you know, you dove in with both feet, do you dive in with both feet? You dive Dive in in head first. Yes. You jump in with both feet. Absolutely. But you jumped in with both feet to the endurance sports world and you've done Ironmans and you've done all sorts of incredible physical things. Um, But what really intrigues me about you and your story is is how you got there. Right. And I think that's what's really going to resonate with people Mm -hmm. because they're going to hear that and they're going to be like, wow, like this is somebody that was potentially on a very different life path. Yes. And really could have gone in in any direction. Absolutely. And so when you sent me those notes, because, you know, as an official podcaster now, I have to be <laughs> more organized. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to do a little bit of background. Uh, but when you sent me those notes, uh, I just was floored. I mean, I knew a little bit about your story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was completely serious when I said I actually welled up a little bit at the end of of what you wrote, because I was like, this person has crammed 
like three, four, five lives worth of stress into 46 <laughs> years, 45 years. 46. <clears throat> 46. You're one year older than mm-hmm. I am. You're my senior. I'm a year wiser. A year wiser. I think you're about five lifetimes wiser. Uh, Yeah. Well, it's funny because until you asked me that question and I want to put some notes together, I had not actually viewed my life that way. Mm -hmm. And I, yes, I've had some tough, tough stuff in my life. And I have had equal parts extreme privilege and love as well. So it's not all that bad stuff. And I would not have said that before I wrote it all down that, Mm -hmm. well, you know, I've had tough stuff and I've had struggles and that was rough or, you know, it just all seems like I've had this constant upward trajectory in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a, an interesting way to put it. And I think on reflection is usually when we dig that stuff out and we realize that the road hasn't been really smooth there's actually been some pretty good bumps so let's let's dive in there I mean I I think I let's start kind of way back um it sounds like in high school you're a bit of a terror yeah yes I was really really worried that my kids would do the things that I had done in high school and I I do now really feel bad for my parents about (laughs) my behavior but I did grow up in a really really strict Christian household I went to Christian school till I was in grade 11 Mm -hmm. and uh, like we didn't go to movies till we were 16 we didn't date we didn't like it was really you didn't go really, to movies no like movies because because when you come out of the movie theater people don't know what you've gone to see so what if you've just been in an r-rated movie what perception do people have of you wow and how does that affect what they think about your faith Wow. Yes. Like, that's pretty hardcore. It, it is very hardcore. And I have still have a very strong faith to this day, but I have really been through a journey in what I feel about religion and church. Yeah. But that was a really huge guiding influence in growing up. And I lived in this really strict household and I was just the wild middle child and I knew the consequences and I didn't care. And I partied and I, you know, I think I did things that normal teenagers did. Well, maybe a little more, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but because of the context of my family, it was that much more rebellious and it was black and white and it was yes and no. And I, you know, life isn't really like that. So, yeah. So, so I found it interesting that you said that you remember consciously being a rebel, because I think sometimes when you're that age, you sort of just pretty unconscious, like you're kind of doing whatever feels like the right thing to do. And if the right things to go to a party or, you know, misbehave, if you want to call it that, I think, I think teenagers a lot just kind of do that without being conscious. But it sounds like you were like, no, like I knew the consequences yes. and I was a, I was just, you know, being a rebel. Yeah. And I think because I went to a really small private school until I went to grade 11, where I went to a public school with 2000 people mm-hmm. and just like, and not knowing anybody except for one person. And just before that, I got a job at Burger King. So then I started having, you know, different, different friends, but I felt a real need to keep up and fit in. And I felt really self-conscious about the fact that I didn't have a friend group and I wasn't in the popular group. And so I think socially that was also my way Mm -hmm. to fit in, but yeah. So by, by kind of breaking the rules, if you want to call it that, that was your way to fit in. Yes. Yeah. And I I feel like for kids, that's often 
a way into their social network for whatever twisted reason. And I mean, it sounds like your high school life was exactly the opposite of mine. I was incredibly boring, to be honest. I was, I was the kid that would disappear into the gym and play hacky sack so I could get to a hundred kicks all by myself. And I, but that was kind of how I created my own sort of identity in high school, but I do remember feeling probably just as self-conscious. I just was kind of coming at it from a different way. Right. Um, so anyway, let's let's carry on because I uh, it, it sounds like you got on with your life in a real hurry after high school. Uh, yes, I sure did. So, and I remember saying to my parents, I'd come home right after graduation, maybe a couple days after graduation, drunk. Yeah. And they found out and they're like, it's either you don't do that or you move out. And that was a Tuesday. I must have been off to a be Tuesday. A yeah. <laughs> you were drunk in high school on a Tuesday? Well, no, I had just graduated. So oh, you're I sorry. You just summer, graduated. I guess, you know. Yeah. But but I would have been drunk on a Tuesday in high school. Wow. But anyways. Wow. Not all the time, but I love to party. Well, I love to I have a good time. time. And, yeah. and school was really easy for me. Okay. I skipped yeah. a lot. I did not have to try hard. Yeah. And I still, still would get well. these. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would do that stuff. Sometimes we yeah. smoke pot at school. But Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This but, must have been like given, you know, your parents' beliefs and it, it must have been incredibly... I want to say hard for them. I mean, just they probably had no clue what to do with you. No. And here's the thing. Like the school that I went to, my dad started because he wanted to give us a certain type of education. Wow. And so when your dad's the chairman of the school board, he knows every single thing you do. So for the first 10 years of my education, it was like my parents were in the classroom with me and it was super strict. So all of a sudden I'm going to high school and I have a job. So I all of a sudden have this freedom where I'm not being watched or whatever. So anyways, I had been partying and they said either, you know, you got to stop doing this or you got to move out. Yeah. It did not occur to them that I would actually move out, but I did five days later. So I moved in with my brand new boyfriend who I had met on my grad night. So when I'm, but, (laughs) but like, yes, I did move. I know it sounds terrible. And I was really looking for a place to live mm-hmm. as opposed to moving in with him, but that's just what worked. So how how old are you in the seventeen? Seventeen. Yeah. So seventeen, graduate high school, five days later, yeah. you're like, sweet, gonna move in with my boyfriend. Yeah. When I was seventeen, I was I still remember like oh, I got a zit on my face. Like yeah. I gotta pop that thing. Well, you know what? I was actually registered for university and I was going and and so when that happened, that went out the window as well. So that really changed the trajectory of my life. And I would not rather be anywhere else than right now. So that's mm-hmm. fine with me. Yeah. But yeah, that, you know, clearly that moment where it was like, no, I'm going to move out, meaning I'm not going to university. Yeah. Well, I'm not going now. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that was a big deal. What was What were things like with your parents around that? Because, I mean, that, you know, being very religious, I'm sure one mm-hmm. of them was like, you know, marriage before all of that stuff. Oh, absolutely. And in <clears throat> fact, my parents would not come to my house because they don't believe in living with somebody before you're married. Right, so they right. didn't, you know, they didn't yeah. visit me if I wanted to see them. I had to go to yeah. their house. And at, at 17 too, I mean, I can speak, I'm a parent now as well. I have a 10 and an eight year old. And yes. this will be very hard for me as well. Like if I, you know, if one of my kids at 17 was like, I'm moving in with my, my partner, I'd be like, you're what? And I, you know, I, I, you know, 
I don't even have the religious component to yes. really be like to make it even more intense for me. Yeah. And I'm sure that that has shaped me as a parent as well, because I wouldn't do that either. But that is the problem of black and white. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and, you know, I will say I and, and I don't want to cast my parents in a in a bad light. Like they have very strong values. Totally. Yeah. Our values differ in some really fundamental ways that yeah. have caused problems. But mm-hmm. I understand that they were living up to their values. And my dad has never, ever said anything to me that mm-hmm. was not true or right. that did not happen. And to for him to live up to his word, he would sacrifice just about anything. Yeah. And I really respect that about him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think they said that thinking that I would stay and it did not occur to them that they couldn't control me in that moment. Right. And I decided to go and they couldn't back out of it. Yeah. 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 You know, I think yeah, I, I'm not taking it at all that way. I do mm-hmm. really always think that parents just really want the best for their kids. Yes. And usually if they're a generation ahead, 20, 30, whatever, however many years, yeah. they just have that much more life experience. So anyway, so let's yeah. carry on because it doesn't sort of end there. You, yeah. you, you Again, you got on with life in a real hurry. Yeah, I got on with life in a real hurry. So when I moved in with my boyfriend, he lived with another couple. Mm-hmm. And that other couple, the the girl in that couple was the sister of Trent, who ended up being my first husband. So very shortly after... Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, 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 wait, okay. Wait, wait, wait. it'll come back around. Hey. So I moved in with, with my boyfriend. We broke up very shortly thereafter. But w- yeah. like we're all young people. We all have no money. We're all sharing right. a small apartment. So we all decided to just still live together. Yeah. So our roommate... Her brother came to visit from Alberta. Yes. And by this time, me and my boyfriend had broken up. So the brother's coming and staying on the couch. Yeah. And I ended up getting together with him. And his name was? His his name was Trent. Trent. And then, so that was the summer when I was 17. And we were together right after that. And I was pregnant with Josh probably within two months. Like before I turned 18. Wow. Yes. Oh, that's like... (laughs) Even it seems even, like a lot now that I talk about it. If yeah. I think when my kids were eighteen, I, yeah. I was like, "Holy crap! You, just, oh, you yeah. seem so young." I can't believe I thought I had it all figured out when I was eighteen. Yeah, and I well, I even think my son's ten. That's seven years. Yeah, and I just can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have kids until I was thirty-three or thirty-four. Right. I mean, I was well into being an adult. Yeah. But uh, if I think back to myself at seventeen, I still felt like a kid. Yes. I mean, sometimes I still feel like a kid. Me too. I'm, like, I'm not qualified to be a parent. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Me yeah. too. Wow. So you're so you're 17 and you're pregnant. I'm pregnant, yeah. Which means you have your first child at 18. Yeah. So yeah. I got married mm-hmm. and then had Josh while I was still 18. Yeah. Yeah. Was there, do you remember there being any relief with your parents that you got married? I, was that a... Was that a thing? Well, or? the way that went down was that this woman I worked with yeah. phoned my parents and told them that I was pregnant, and that's how they found out. Oh, so that was man. a really bad start right, to right. things. And so they just sat us down and said, You guys are getting married. And this is so yes, I could have stood up and said no. Yeah. I yeah. knew that it was a mistake at the time. I remember clearly walking down the aisle knowing it was a mistake. Oh man. So but I didn't feel like I could get out of it. I, yeah. you know, I guess I just wasn't strong enough to do it. And I was really yeah. young and now I have my two boys out of it. So, uh, and I, I wouldn't change that. Yeah. I wouldn't change that one bit. But. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Because I, 
I feel the same way. I don't have as dramatic a start to having kids as you have had, but I certainly have lots of stuff in my life that wasn't totally awesome, but I wouldn't trade it. Right. It's sort of interesting. Like I, there was some real painful moments, just awful, painful moments, but I still wouldn't trade them. It's kind of weird, eh? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think kids are definitely one of those. So, so it, so let me get this straight. Now you're two kids. Yeah. And how old are you? 21. 21. So at 21, you have two kids. Yes. And one of them is already three. Yeah. And the other one is... Just born. They're just two and a half born. years apart. So Hey, yeah. that's what my brother and I are two yes, and a half years apart. Yes, the perfect amount. Yeah. I feel like my parents had us in their early 20s, but I feel like that was their generation. Yes. Whereas for you and I, we're the same age. Yeah. To have kids in your early 20s was super early. Like mm-hmm. I'm not many of my friends had kids in their early no. 20s. So certainly to have in your teen years, this is this was rare. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So So at 21 you have two kids. Yep. And I'm in a bad marriage. You're in a bad marriage. Yeah. So it was bad from day one and that was really the result of from day one there must have been one good day no (laughs) i mean no no, yeah there there was good days yeah it wasn't all bad there certainly were good days but i knew like i said i knew from the beginning that it wasn't the right thing but i guess at that time i did think i could fix it Mm -hmm. so i spent Mm -hmm. seven years there yeah Seven years. Yeah. So we split up when I was 24, I guess. Right. And uh, yeah, I I knew it wasn't right in the beginning, but I thought that I could fix it. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so off I went. And the thing is, you're way more stronger and resilient when you're 18. Oh, that's... it. You know... That's a surprising thing. Yeah, because it didn't... I don't, well, maybe I don't remember clearly, but it didn't phase me as much as when I think about it now and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe I went through that. Cause you know, you just go about your day. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't afford babysitters and this and that. So Josh went everywhere with me, like, yeah. but it's way easier when you're 18 and that's just life. I didn't know life any other way. So interesting. I would have thought, well, just because when you're older, I guess it doesn't make everything easier, but that's, no. that's an interesting comment to make that when you're 18, it was easier to handle than when you're 24. Yeah, I think so. So, um, I think the main difficulty was addiction issues, Mm -hmm. just well, addiction with with Trent. So with Trent, yeah. Yeah. So drinking and drugs. And I spent a large part of that marriage basically being a single parent. Right. And yeah. So when did you realize (laughs) like, so seven years, Mm -hmm. it's actually quite a long time to last in a not great marriage. Yes. Um, when did you know that that was not going to happen? I knew quite a long time before it was over that it was over. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, going back to my family's values, they do not believe in divorce and I right. knew that it would blow things up with my family. So I stayed with him a lot longer than I should have or wanted to because I just could not face it with my family. Right. Right. And what I find interesting about that is it sounds like you spent your teen years totally rebelling. Yes. But then in some moments you were drawn back to the rigidness of what your family might expect. Do you do you feel like as you got older you were kind of like ah oh, like I've got to do things 
a little more their way or what, do you know what I'm trying to ask? I like, do know what you're trying to ask. And I think I, I had a real turning point aha moment when I did end my marriage. Right. And, you know, I said earlier that I think my parents were surprised that I moved out. It didn't occur to them that they couldn't control me. I think that's what happened with the divorce as well. Mm-hmm. And they told me not to. They told me they'd cut me out of their will if I got divorced. They, you know, they they just said don't and thought that I would listen. Wow. But wow. the only thing that is stronger or was stronger than me at that point over the control I felt my parents had mm-hmm. was looking out for my kids. Right. So... Right. You know, doing what I felt was the right thing for them mm-hmm. uh, trumped anything else. So yeah. I knew that I had to, I knew I had yeah. to make that move. Yeah. That's an amazing uh, pull I've found in being a parent. Yeah. Is that your entire perspective on everything shifts. Yes. And I've, I've sort of said like, you know, like we have life priorities. I feel like my kids are in this life priority that's like, and it, it's not, there's nobody, there's nothing else in the same sort of no. thing. It's like they're in a priority window or whatever you want to call it that, that nobody else is in, not my partner, not anybody. It's like the most primal kind of feeling. It's like the first, at the risk of sounding really dramatic, I feel like they're the first people I would really actually die for. Absolutely. And, and that sounds like melodramatic. I don't know what it sounds like, but I feel like. I did not have that feeling prior to kids. Yes, and I agree. It sounds like even in your early 20s that that existed for you. And I it, obviously it did. Yeah. So. yeah, absolutely. And and I have, you know, one thing I discovered through counseling is just the clarity to know that my kids are my only obligation. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, they're the priority and, and all of that. But I do believe that they're the only obligation I have mm-hmm. in my whole life. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that is a really different space than. Yeah. I, f- I found that in a way liberating because I feel like before I had kids, I, I definitely had priorities and I had, you know, like I was an athlete and wanted to do certain things in that space, but there was lots of other things too that would pull and push and kind of, you know, make you go in different directions. Yeah. But with kids, it just became crystal clear for me. Yes. And every decision I made after that uh, was easier yep. because I'm like, how do I create? Well, you're not really making a decision a lot of times. There is no decision when that's your number one priority, Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Like the goal is just to create a space for them to thrive and yes. and, and grow up and, and be safe and all those things. Yeah. And I found that, as I said, kind of liberating because it, it, it shut out all the rest of the noise. Mm-hmm. It just really focused me on a lot of things. And yeah. anyway, so uh, with that in mind, I know early years with kids was tough. Like you had a few moments that probably really shaped you as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Josh is my, and I, I will just say this other thing that um, I see as an advantage of having, especially Josh so young is the relationship that I have with him, like I grew up with him. Mm-hmm. We went through all of this together and he remembers it and it has created a really special relationship with us. Um, and he's my one 
that I've just about lost him three times. Wow. Yeah. So he was really sick when he was nine months old. Okay. He had meningitis and we had just moved to Calgary. I didn't know anybody there. I was 19 and I knew he was sick mm-hmm. and I went from clinic to clinic and they all said, he's fine. It's cold and flu or they'd send me for x-rays or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just knew that something was wrong. So I took him to emerge and refused to take him home. Mm-hmm. And he had meningitis. And that was at a time. I don't so know if you remember. So this is nine months old. He's got. Yeah. So this is yeah. like uh, 1991, early 92. Yeah. And at that time, there was huge news stories because there was people who had been sent home from the hospital and they died of mm-hmm. meningitis. I remember that because yeah. I was, uh, I would have been 18 or 19. I was living in Toronto and I do specifically yeah. remember th- yeah. that news. Yeah. So he was one of them that yeah. had meningitis. What is meningitis? Uh, well, oh geez, uh, nobody should listen to medical things from me, but it has to do... I, it's, Roughly. It's like a bacterial or viral infection. It has to do with, I don't know, spinal fluid and your brain. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, it's awful. And it's, it, awful. it's, it's life threatening. Like, it's, uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you, you refuse to leave emerge. Yep. And you're like, there's just, this is not, something's not yep. right. And the doctor walked into the room and looked at him from the doorway and said, has he been tested for meningitis? And I said, no, he goes, I can tell from his eyes. Wow. Yeah. What was up with the eyes? Well, I guess that they were a little yellow or... Wow. I I don't know what it was. So, I mean, I want to say lucky. Hopefully 99 out of 100 doctors would see that. Maybe not, though. But they didn't. I'd been to four doctors. So you'd been to four before. Yeah. So it took this one. Yeah. Over two days, I'd been to four doctors. Wow. So, I mean, again, as as a parent, Mm -hmm. your worst nightmare is this kind of thing. Yeah. And so... Doctors like meningitis, test them for meningitis. Yep. They test them. It comes back. Yep. And were they able to solve it fairly quickly once they knew? Yeah. So it turned out that he had bacterial, which is great because that responds to antibiotics. Right. So, I mean, that was a long time ago now. I think he was in the hospital probably 10 days. Mm Mm-hmm. 10 days. Yeah. Nine months old. Yeah. And I particularly remember... At, that's when the um, vaccination for meningitis came out because they had a poster for it in the hospital. I'm like, geez, I wish I would have known about that a few months ago. Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah but you so, were 18. Yeah. Well, I was 19 then. 19. And that was a real lesson for me because I don't think there's anything else that would have made me as a 19 year old stand up mm-hmm. to these male doctors. Right. You know, but yeah. I mean, I'll do anything I have to do for my kids. Yeah. And that is like, you have to stand up. You have to advocate for yourself. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you ever remember having a moment? I have these moments sometimes, but I'm in my 40s <laughs> where, where where you're like, oh, wow, I'm a grown up. Yes. Did you have those? Oh, my God. I still have them. But at 19, though, with a kid who's just, you know, you know, I don't think I thought that much about it at the time. My yeah. life for those years was survival. Yeah. Like yeah. I had to support them. I had like I had to do everything. Yeah. So I didn't think that much. I just did. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. I, as I said, I just can't imagine. I think any parent listening 
it, this, as I said, is like your worst nightmare mm-hmm. is being in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got sick again when he was a year and nine months old, and I was just newly pregnant with Zach. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had viral encephalitis that time, which is an infection in the lining of the brain that causes, causes wow. seizures. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. So uh, for that one, and that that was... I, that was actually the hardest thing that's ever happened to me in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, so was that worse than the meningitis? Yeah. That- yeah, it was worse. So I was in Nanaimo at the time and, uh, they airlifted them to children's in Vancouver and they oh, told wow. me to say goodbye. Oh, wow. Yeah. Holy smokes. That's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm welling up. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. We got to finish this interview though. We yeah. have to, we have Tell to, we joke. have to keep it together. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, yeah, this would just be unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, we've had with my daughter, she had a broken leg. That's about the extent of it. Yeah. <laughs> but I can also remember, um, actually one of the, one of the weirdest things for me, and it's not even remotely on the same scale, uh, was they both had a crazy amount of dental work that had to happen early years. Oh. And in those early years, they put them out. But when they come out of anesthetic, it's the creepiest thing. Because oh, yeah. Because your kid is there and coming conscious. Yeah. But not there. Yeah. It's like they're strung out. And I would say, again, it's not even remotely on the same scale as that. But I remember having a really strong reaction. I almost had to leave. And thankfully, Jude, my wife, is a little more whatever, strong, whatever you'd say. But I had to leave. I was like, I can't handle this. Like, I can't handle my kid being here but not really here. Yes. And so I don't know. I would, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's move on because that's, whew. I'm yeah. sweating. I'm sweating with that that kind of whatever. That was sweat. not his time. He did actually get hit by a car when he was 12, which was the third time. This kid he is got had lucky. A unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Life. Totally. Yeah, he's a cat. He's he got yes. nine. Someone nine told of them. me that there's um something about there's there's so many windows in your life where you can go. Like when it's your time to go and mm-hmm. I, I actually shouldn't have even said that because I can't remember the whole thing but yeah he's yeah. clearly had some you must you must have fortune. a pretty deep sense of gratitude every time you're hanging out absolutely yeah yes because, uh, yeah. yeah just because of been so being so close to loss yes yeah yeah absolutely. on a number of occasions yeah. so Zach is your second Zach child. is my second was, one was Zach's sort of rise to being a I, an adult as dramatic or a little no. less? <laughs> Zach was my easy baby. Mm-hmm. Zach's my laid back kid. Yeah. His life comes easy for him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, very, very different. And mm-hmm. I had a little experience as a parent and was doing better at the day to day survival. Yeah. Um, but still a really tough relationship wise mm-hmm. and not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, now let's let's loop back because you're you're seven years in now. I know you you left Trent. Yes. Um, what was that time like? That must have been hard, but hard. But also, it sounds like you're really empowered because you're you're like I've got to I've got to provide for my kids, and this just isn't happening. Yeah. 
Yeah. And as we're talking, I'm going, oh yeah, it really is all about the motivation, isn't it? Because they are such a motivation for me. But um, yeah, that was really, really difficult. And, um, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight where you go, okay, that's it. It's over. Like we were apart. And then my parents were like, don't get divorced. We'll pay for counseling. So then I went to counseling and then we were apart again. And then we're back together. You know, like mm-hmm. it's a process splitting up. And uh, when I finally said, no, like that's it. It's over. And he threw his wedding ring in my face and whatever. The next morning, and we had no cell phones at the time, um, his mom had what we thought was a heart attack. Right. And uh, so his dad phoned me and I said, oh, I know what job site he's on. I'll go find him. And, and so I went and found him. I'm like, your mom's on life support. Turned out to be a massive organ failure because she also had addiction issues. Mm-hmm. But um, so I found him. I'm like, let's put our stuff aside. Like, let's just not deal with it right now. We need to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And I'm here with you and whatever. So partway through the first week, it was his birthday mm-hmm. and he chose that day to tell his family that I was leaving him. So they all thought I had done it while m- the mom was in the hospital on life oh, support. Okay. And we just were coming to the point where we had to make the decision to take her off of life support. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he went and told my parents as well. Right. So they were extremely unhappy with me, even in the fact that they didn't hear it from me. Right. So that caused a problem right off the bat. Right. So she passed away and they played our wedding song at her funeral. You know what? <laughs> I, I, mean, I just laughed now. I knew I mean, that was coming. Can you picture it? I read that in the notes you sent me and I didn't even know what to say. I, I, know. I was like, actually, I wrote a question down and I was like, I, I know this will come up, but that's just so bizarre. I know. It sounds what? like a TV show. Yeah, and I can't tell whether it's a tragedy or a comedy. Like that's it's, like I think you gotta laugh. You gotta laugh like, out of some of the tragedy. So they I played think. your wedding song at yeah. the. Why was this a favorite song? Was mom or was it to sort of like stick it to you or what? Well, the what's thing is, I don't know because they weren't talking to me. Like you know what I mean? They didn't. And I just went to the funeral, obviously, and it just came on. So I don't know anything about what went into the planning or. Did you ever ask? No. There was just so much bigger fish to fry. Right. But that's 20 years ago, and that's a pretty vivid memory. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'd forget that either. I'd be, I don't even know what to say about that. It just seems so bizarre. I know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a different life now. Yeah. But that was just kind of the start of it. So I ended up moving in with his dad because I couldn't afford my own place. So Mm -hmm. I took my two boys and my two suitcases and we lived with his dad for a month who didn't know how to cook or anything. So, you know, he appreciated having the help and having somebody with him. And then I got my own little basement suite with my boys a month into that. And so you were living with his dad. Yeah. And so was your relationship with him still pretty good? Yeah. Okay. It was so yeah. the the breakup was uh you know. Well, you know it all seems really weird now when I say it <clears throat> and look back on it, but mm-hmm. we both had a real need. He needed somebody to be there mm-hmm. with him and somebody who knew her and somebody who like I could physically look after him mm-hmm. and he needed that and I needed that more than you know, mm-hmm. dealing with, with that other stuff. Yeah, and I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't talk to any of them at all anymore, but I did um, continue to have a good relationship with his dad after that, Yeah, but not with my own parents. So they were like, 
no, we're done. You have no right to kick him out of the family and we're choosing him. So, wow. so that was, that was that. And then I moved into my own little basement suite and then I lost my job. So <laughs> it was oh like, I had moved out of the house we owned together mm-hmm. and, uh, we had, we had a bunch of equity in it and, but like, I just couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. So, so I moved out and he was yeah. working at the time. Yeah. Crazy enough. And, uh, so he yeah. kept it and I moved out and yeah. And so, and I know now that I was depressed at that time, but mm-hmm. I didn't know to call it that. I right. Mean, right. I, I'm not sure if I, I, I feel like a lot of people might've had that not think, to demean it, but I just yeah. think it's something that as, as we get more educated as a society on it, it's easier to identify. Yes. So anyway, so you're, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I was just so low. Mm-hmm. I was so low and, you know, I had these boys to look after and I, I just remember so clearly sitting on my bed. I remember the blanket that was on it. I just remember everything about that moment. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, I, I totally get why people kill themselves. Like mm-hmm. it just, everything felt so hopeless Yeah, and so yeah. hard. And, uh, and then I just remember like, really making a decision going, no, like this is going one of two ways. I'm either going to be welfare mom constantly scraping by to, you know, Mm -hmm. not do as good by my kids as they deserve, or I'm going to get my shit together and Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a good life for them. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I decided to do. So you, do you, do you remember having like a moment? Do you remember really clearly being like, absolutely. Like it's, there's I'm at a fork in the road or, yep. and it's either this way or that way or that way. Yeah. Wow. And again, it's my kids driving mm-hmm. that. I don't know if I would have made the same mm-hmm. decision if it weren't for my kids, because I can do the hard thing for my kids when I can't always do the hard thing for myself. Mm-hmm. But I do remember, and I said out loud, just pull your socks up, like, mm-hmm. let's go. Mm-hmm. And, and so this I, is, this yeah. is you, you're living in a basement suite. Yeah. You're 24. Yeah. You got two kids. Yeah. You're on your own. Yeah. And you're like, I got to, I got to figure this out. Yes. So I decided to move to Victoria and Mm -hmm. just get away from Nanaimo. And my, my family are very well known in Nanaimo and in the business community. And I just like, everybody always knew me. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, no, I need to just have a, have a clean break. And uh, so I moved to Victoria and I put out three job applications and one of them was to Hans Braun Investments and mm-hmm. I ended up getting that job and here I still am. Here that you was still are. 1998. And 1998. So you've been here for 20 years. Yeah. Wow. I just had my 20 year anniversary here in July. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, obviously your life, at least the last four plus years of your life, five years of your life is where I have known you. Yes. Um, so I've only known you in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, but you come to Victoria to basically start clean. Yes. To get away from everything. Yeah. And uh, do you remember the time thinking like, do you remember thinking I have to be really courageous or were you just like, as you said, surviving? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I Like, was it courage or was it like desperation or was it, what was it? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't actually thought of it that way before. Um, 
I think to a certain extent it was courage and I just didn't recognize it. But um, I am good at doing the hard thing Mm -hmm. and I am good at doing the work. Mm -hmm. And that I just. So, like, always, like, you've always, like, do you feel like that was always in there? Like, you were always, you say you're always good at doing the work and doing the hard thing. Yeah. Um, so even from the youngest age, so that I, well, yes, I, I think that there's some really clear or really huge opportunities and gifts that I was given and Mm -hmm. like some of them being in my nature and being an achiever and Mm -hmm. you know, like I love to work hard and I love to be focused and I love to just put all of my energy into something and to drive ahead and to do things when they're hard. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that was, that was just my personality, I guess. Mm -hmm. But from the nurture part and besides the huge, huge privilege of, you know, growing up in a white, middle-class Christian family in Canada. I Mm -hmm. mean, I start off with the biggest advantage of all, Mm -hmm. but um, I think that what has shaped me and what helped me in those moments and every hard moment in my life is that there have been three men in my life being my dad, Mm -hmm. the employer I've had now for 20 years, and also um, an employer I had like from high school through until I moved to Victoria, who made it very clear that being a woman was more than, Mm -hmm. not less than. Mm -hmm. And you can do anything. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to do the work. Right. But you can do absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. And, like, it it didn't even occur to me, really, and I hate to sound so ignorant, with all of the things that are going on now with women and equality, etc., I have never felt that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. because I've, uh, that was the way I grew up and my dad taught me how to do everything and I can use the chainsaw and I can change the oil in your car and I can, he just, yeah you know, yeah he just taught me that I could do anything mm-hmm. and here's how you do it and yeah. you work for it. And he, you know, I think those gifts mm-hmm. as well as a strong confidence in my intelligence and capabilities, mm-hmm. Um, made me show up. And then, you know, I had the the thing with Josh where I had to stand up to the doctors and I, you know, and I had to speak up. Mm-hmm. Like I was able to do that because it was for my baby. Right. But, you know, I took something away from that as well in how strong I am and how I show up in the hard moments. Mm-hmm. And I like mm-hmm. the person I am mm-hmm. in the hard moments yeah. who, you know, who shows up and does that. So I feel like I've circled way far away from your question. I can't even remember my but question. I, yeah, like <laughs> I just, I think that you get shaped by nature, nurture, as mm-hmm. well as life experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think I got some real advantages from the beliefs that my dad instilled in me and mm-hmm. the way that he raised me. And I have a hard time with some of the values that we still struggle with between us. But that he did me the hugest favor of my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And uh so I guess because I always knew that I was strong mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I knew always knew that I could do anything and I always knew that I was good enough and that I should speak up for myself. Mm-hmm. And then when I did that in the really hard moments mm-hmm. and I came through it, yeah, 
that gives you like another level of confidence and it just instills that mm-hmm. back in you. You know what I mean? So that next time when the hard thing comes along, you're even better equipped mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to handle it. So yeah. I definitely got very, very fortunate in certain aspects of my life. And do you feel like, so you're, you've moved from Nanaimo, mm-hmm. you get a job with Hans Braun. Yes. You've been there here for 20 years. Yes. Um, and now you're, I mean, currently you're the leader here. Yes. And, but didn't start there. You started nope, at, a, started at the bottom entry level job. Yes. Yeah. So. Yep. 20,000 a year is what I was making. My paychecks were $605. I clearly remember. Right. So is that every two weeks? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Twice a month. Yeah. 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 15th and last day of the month. And I mean, I don't even know how I did it now. I mean, yeah, it was 20 years ago and things cost less, but right. uh, yeah, that's where I started. Yeah. And, um, it was, you know, I mentioned three men. When I was in high school after Burking, I worked for an office supply company and I worked there until I was 22. So for about six years, the owner of that company twice gave me a really big opportunity to move into a position that I did not have the experience or education for. Mm-hmm. And he just believed in me and he let me learn on the job. And uh, that gave me a huge boost to my confidence. And then when I started working here, mm-hmm. um, the primary shareholder here, also a man who believes that women are just better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's what he says. He's like, just just hire women, you know, like they're more compassionate, especially moms. He goes, hire the moms because they can multitask and they care about people. And really everything is just all about the people. It's just mm-hmm. all about how we treat people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that is who has been leading me for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And when I was here in that accounting clerk position, so just doing like accounts payable, accounts receivable in 2002. So I'd been here for four years. The controller of the company was a a man um, and the owner, he left. So the controller left, he was a CGA Mm -hmm. and I, I asked for that job Mm -hmm. and I was totally not qualified for it. And Jamie, who was leaving, stood up for me and fought for me. Mm -hmm. And the owner believed in me. And the person who was in my position now pushed back against it. Okay. But but they won and that put me into that position. And then I started going to university at night. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I've just kept moving up and up. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, you move here, you you make that decision that, that day in your basement suite. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you make, as you said, you're prepared to do the hard work. So yep. moving here would have been hard work. Getting this job would have been hard work. You know, you probably worked your butt off here. Oh yeah. And now you're moving up in a, you know, it's a really successful company. And now, uh, fast forward, you're the president of the company. Yes. Am I giving you the right title? Yes. Yeah. I'm in the biggest office. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you tell. <laughs> um, and how long have you been in this position? Uh, six and a half years. Okay. Yeah. So, but I also know that in that time, it hasn't been easy either. And am I right? Like you did yes. have, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the biggest lesson I learned, I mean, I've, at that point had been here so long that I could do all the jobs. Mm -hmm. I could do everybody's job and I knew how the business worked and, and all of that. But just because of your knowledge of the work and your tenure Mm -hmm. does not make you a leader. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you a good manager. Mm -hmm. And 
also we had quite a toxic culture. Right. So right from day one, I knew that I, I needed to work on the culture Mm -hmm. that we just, yeah, we were in, in a really bad place with that. Yeah. So, and, and I was also, you know, it took me a while to realize that I needed help being a leader mm-hmm. and that it doesn't just happen. So that has been a whole evolution over the six and a half years. And now I work with a leadership coach and um, like we have totally turned our culture around, but that has been hard work, yeah. been really painful stuff in there too. I bet. And I, I think anytime you're dealing with people, mm-hmm. this is very difficult. Yes. Um, do you feel like you'd be as good a leader now without everything that you you've gone through no. since you're 18. No. Do you feel, I, I knew that was going to be your answer, yeah. which was sort of a, a easy one across the plate. Excellent um, hosting. <clears throat> thank you. Yeah. Um, it, what's another way that I can, can put this? Um, are you are you ever surprised that you're in this position? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, like when I look at my whole life and I look at where I am right now, the feeling I have is gratitude and holy crap, I got really lucky. Mm-hmm. It's really how I've seen it. I know that I've had a big part in it, mm-hmm. but... Um, oh, now I've forgotten your question. I told you I was a forgetter. No, you know what? I just have forgotten the question too. Oh, it's forty-five. <laughs> what I want to get to as as we kind of get get near the end of this is, I mean, my relationship with you has been uh, in in the sports world because yes, uh, about five years ago, uh, I think your you know your your personal life I think was pretty good, but you still had some demons that were maybe uh, oh yeah following you around and yeah. So it, maybe tell me a little bit about how you decided that you wanted to tackle these big endurance events. I find that quite fascinating. So can you dive in there a little bit? Yes. So the other thing that was happening for me was that I was really depressed and Mm -hmm. I had found that out at that point Mm -hmm. and was on medication for it, but really felt out of control in my life. I'd had a cancer scare a few Mm -hmm. years previously where I'd, um, you know, reshifted my priorities from being a class A workaholic to going, hey, where's the joy? Where's the love? Like that needs to be my decision criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I was really depressed. And for me, that's, you know, it, it also coincides with like a lot of weight gain. And mm-hmm. I was just, I just hated myself. I was just super miserable. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so, and I'm sure you don't even realize where I was at and how much I needed that. Mm -hmm. So I just, again, came to one of those points where I went, okay, I'm going down one of two roads here. Mm -hmm. I'm either, you know, I got to turn this around. I'm like super unhealthy and I'm super unhappy. Mm -hmm. And to top that off, felt like I wasn't doing the greatest at my job, I just felt like I was completely failing all the time, which mm-hmm. I was quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just 
the, the only way I knew how to change that was to change my weight. And I started losing weight and I knew fitness needed to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing also about my personality, and I think I kind of said it in a roundabout way is I need a big monster goal mm-hmm. that drives me. I, I just, and, and I always think really, really big. Mm-hmm. So I would never say, oh, I think I might want to do a triathlon. It's more of, oh, I'm going to do an Ironman. Right. You know, that was like the hugest, scariest goal. And at that point, I know how I perform Mm -hmm. when I'm down Mm -hmm. and when I have a deadline and when I'm committed to something. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and that's, that's why I did it to Mm -hmm. really learn if I could. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I mean, I had moments during that. I've had, well, I still have moments where I wake up in the night in a panic going, holy crap, what have I taken on? Or what, you know, mm-hmm. am, am I really good enough for this? Can I do it? And uh, so for me, the whole Ironman journey and getting fit was a whole bunch of things. I yeah. mean, I knew I needed to make a change and I needed some fitness. I like riding a bike and running and swimming and that's fun and it feels like playing. Um, but I really needed it to get me out of bed in the morning. Yeah, yeah. You know, I needed to be accountable to something and I needed somebody to tell me what to do because where I was at, it was just like I would be in bed in despair mm-hmm. and I would know the right thing to do, but didn't care. Mm-hmm. And I needed to be accountable and I needed to get out of bed and that that's what I needed it for. And I, you know, and then the physical fitness part of it obviously really helps with the depression and I was able to get off of my medication at that time. And, you know, but it, it just goes back to how I feel about myself when I'm performing. Mm -hmm. That's when I really like myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's when I'm doing the really hard things that gave me a real boost in my Mm self-worth. And I think it was another lesson, like the big moments in my life that I can do it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that sounds really simple, but it is the most powerful thing in my whole life Mm -hmm. is knowing that I can, I can do anything and it changes how I show up for things and it changes what I say yes to. Mm -hmm. And so, and I just love it. I I think one of the things that you hit on, which I find particularly interesting because I know it's been the case for me, uh, is is that exercise sounds like became uh, a way to help with the depression. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I know in my own life I've, I've struggled with the same things. And as you said, I think we grew up in a time where it wouldn't have necessarily been diagnosed that way. Right. Um, but my, I don't think it's an accident that I gravitated towards a sport that requires you to sit on your bike for five hours mm-hmm. with, with endorphins pumping through your body. Right that gives you a real sense of structure. And in those moments I had a real sense of purpose. Um, you know, I, I could check that box. So, you know, I find it interesting that it sounds like that became almost therapy for you. You even said you could get off your medication. Um, I do think exercise is one of the most underutilized, uh, forms of therapy. Now I will disclaim that by saying I am not a doctor. Okay. <laughs> so please. I, I no, I but, totally agree with you. And mm-hmm. that is, that is certainly what, what I felt in my life. And, and I, I did recently write down when I was making notes for you, what I've gotten out of it. Mm-hmm. And 
the list was way longer than I thought or way more than I realized I was in for. And like, even like the subtle things, like I, I also have quite an anxious brain that does not shut off. That's constantly analyzing. And when I'm feeling depressed and feeling despair, those are the thoughts that it's running around and around and around in circles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But everything's quiet for me when I'm running or when mm-hmm. I'm riding my bike. or and, and it's basically turned into like a meditation for me too, yeah. those sessions. So I just felt all of these advantages. Mm-hmm you know, from all the way yeah. around. And plus I'm a really adventurous person. Yeah. And an Ironman is just like this huge adventure. You get a whole day. You get a whole day. You, you get go a whole so day. many places. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get the same thing and I, I retired six years ago, but if I don't start my day with something physical, my day is entirely different. Yes. My brain chemistry is different. The way I feel about myself is different. How productive I am is different how I see the world is different. I've realized that I have to, uh, that has to be part of my day or it's just, I'm just a different person. I agree. Yeah. Now you're, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is you're a very driven person. You're very goal oriented. You're always check. You always have something new on the horizon. Yes. And this is going to be a weird question for you. Oh no. Um, do you feel like having those goals is you kind of running away from the past that you don't want? Or do you think it's more that you're excited about the possibility of what you can do? Does that make sense as a question? Yes. Um, that's a good one. I, I don't feel like I'm running away. Um, and like I said, I feel like going through this exercise with you has kind of spotlighted it, but I don't have any negative feelings about my past or where I've come from. I don't feel like I've had it any harder than anybody else. Like Mm -hmm. this is just what my journey is. But I know that when I'm healthy and when my brain is healthy, that I wake up in the morning, like that feeling you have on Christmas Eve, like that anticipation, like what's it going to be? Yeah. 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 And so I think that's what this is. Mm -hmm. Like I have, and actually um, I've recently done three personality strength I'm like learning a ton about myself, but one of my strongest strengths or strongest strengths, one of my biggest strengths is hope. And there's a lot in there about looking to the future and feeling powerful. about. Um, so the last thing I wanted to ask you is if you could sum up in, you know, a couple sentences, short paragraph, maybe a mini novel however you want to sum it up what what is your life philosophy like how do you how do you go from that those teenage years two kids at age 21 divorced at 24 how do you go from that to where you are now which is multiple ironman finisher you're the president of this amazing company like what philosophy do you live by that gets you there because it's remarkable well, thank you. Um, if I just have to say off the top of my head what my philosophy for life is, it is very short. It is, yes, you can, and be kind and be grateful. Hmm. And really, that's it. Um, 
what I get from Iron Man, and you know, we've talked about some of the hard things that have happened in my life, and and how that has changed me, and what I've gotten out of it, and that's what I get out of Iron Man, mm-hmm. which is interesting. It's like the same lesson I've had over and over and over again, and that is that yes, you can. And I think when you truly believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. It changes the person you are. It changes the way that you treat people. It changes what you say yes to. Mm-hmm. It changes you to focusing on joy. It allows you to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so that's a quite a simple statement to say all of that, but that's what it means to me. Yeah. And I also think that if we were all kind and grateful, the world would be a very different place. Yeah, I think so. Um <laughs> You know what? This has been awesome. I so grateful for your time and thanks for, for having for, me for sharing all that stuff. You know, that's yeah. pretty deep stuff. Uh, but I I really think people are gonna love hearing that. And uh, you're an inspiration, and so keep doing that. Thanks. Thanks. You bet.